Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a joy to be here with you, to be able to to continue doing what Jesus is calling us to do, to be able to continue living boldly for the kingdom of God, to be able to continue celebrating all that God is doing in and through us, God's church, so that we can be the people that God wants us to be, so that we can meet people where they are, so that we can love them where they are, and together we can grow in relationship with God and others. Uh, That's who we are here at Cassidy. And so if you're new here, I just wanted to say you're welcome here. We are excited that you have chosen to spend a portion of your day here with us, whether online or in person. We're excited that you're here with us. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a part of what God is doing. You're going to notice real quick that, uh, that we know we're not perfect, but we know the one who is and that's Jesus Christ. And so we want to invite you into a relationship with us, into a relationship with God, so that together we can grow on this journey toward the people that God wants us to be. That's the whole idea behind this this series that we've been on called Let's Meet Up. The idea of, of taking a look and how Jesus, during his earthly ministry, how he met up with individuals, with people, so that he could share who he was and change their direction, change their, their hopes and their designs, change who they recognized they were. And so we're, we took a look last week at the woman at the well that Jesus met up with her, and, and then her response to his invitation was to tell everybody in the entire town. And we looked and saw that Jesus restored not only a relationship with God, but a relationship with community so that she could be the bearer of that good news. And so we're going to continue that today. Uh, I have a question for you. Have you ever met someone who was just ridiculously talented at something, that they were pursued because of their talent. I have a a friend, he was uh, one of the students in youth ministry. Um, I was really good friend and am still really good friends with his dad, but uh, he was pursued because he was amazing at baseball. He was Mr. Baseball. Like everything he did revolved around baseball. Uh, He was practicing constantly. Uh, He was on club leagues and in school leagues and in summer leagues, and he just played baseball almost all the time. And when he couldn't play baseball because it was too cold outside or there was snow on the ground, his dad built him in the basement, uh, built him a place where he could uh, practice so that he could practice his batting, so that he could practice his fielding, so that he could practice all of the aspects of baseball. And, and it soon became apparent that he was, he was pretty talented as a catcher. Uh, he loved playing that position of catcher and was really good uh, at, at, at all of the aspects. So if you're not familiar with baseball, the catcher really drives the, the way that play happens on the infield. What the catcher does is tell the, the pitcher what he thinks the pitcher should be doing and, and how the pitcher should uh, pitch to this specific batter. So you have to know a lot of things. And also, you have to be physically talented because when the pitcher throws the ball to the catcher, the catcher has to be fast enough if someone steals, tries to steal second base 
base to stand up and throw the ball to second base. And Sean was ridiculously fast at that. Actually, his pop time, the time it took him to stand and throw the ball to second base, rivaled that of then catcher Yadier Molina for the St. Louis Cardinals. He was really fast. And because of this, he had people that would come and watch him play baseball in the hopes that they could woo him or, or come after him and get him to go to either their school. He even had some of the, the pros taking looks at him. And, and so it was this, this idea of being talented and gifted and, and sought after that was just so compelling. You, you would uh, just see in him this confidence of who he was and what he was pursuing. <laughs> you would ask him, hey, what, what are you going to do for a living? I'm going to play in the major leagues. Uh, what was his, his, his second choice was, I'll be a greeter at Walmart. Um, it's just this, the, the ridiculous idea that he was good enough to do it. And other people noticed that and they went after him, sought after him to see if they could woo him to their school or their teams. And, and we've all seen this kind of thing, not necessarily just in baseball, but we've seen it in the NCAA where colleges go after high school students to try and get those that are, 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 are gifted or call are talented to, to come to their school or the NFL or the major league baseball or NBA, whatever sports team you follow, whether it's cycling or soccer or any of that, there are people that are pursuing those that are gifted or talented in that sport so that they can come. And they're, they're special people because they have a rare talent or a gift that allows them to, to stand out, stand above, stand beyond where normal people are standing. And, and we see ourselves different. Unless we're one of those people, when we look at ourselves, we see that we're not all that special. And we can, we can even take this not just in a sports world, but into the regular world where we're looking at other people on social media or we're looking at other people uh, in, in, in the global, uh, global workforce and saying, I'm not as good as that person. We can see ourselves as not special or not important. I'm just I'm just a day-to-day -day person. I'm, I'm just a middle manager. I'm just whatever. And we, we see ourselves as lesser. We're, we're not as special. We're not as valuable. We're not as important. We're, we, we just settle for who we are. And the beauty, the beauty of God is that He sees us so differently than we see ourselves. He sees our potential not because of who we are or what we do, but because of who He is and what He can do in and through us. God sees us so differently than we see ourselves because God sees the hope and the promise of what we could be if we were faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we've been talking about Let's Meet Up, and today we're going to meet up with a guy named Matthew. Actually, the name Matthew means gift from God. And Matthew was anything but a gift from God to his people. You see, Matthew was a tax collector. And tax collectors, not like today, I mean, if you, if you meet a tax collector today, you're probably going to be like, oh, that's weird because I don't want to hang out with you. Uh, but if you met a tax collector then, it was totally different. You see, the way that taxes worked in the Roman world 
was that the Romans would employ, they would get people that would buy a tax right, the ability to tax uh, from Rome. So you would give Rome X amount of money. And Rome would then say, okay, you can collect taxes in your region. And Rome didn't care what the taxes were because you have paid the, the amount of taxes. So you could charge more taxes than what, what they actually had to pay. You could burden them even more um, with taxation than what they had to pay just so that you could line your own pockets. And, and Matthew is there. He, that's what he does for a living. Uh, and the, the Jews saw this as traitorous. And we talked last week about the Samaritans being less than dogs. Well, the Samaritans at least weren't traitors. They weren't Jews that had turned their back on their people and collaborated with Rome to charge money and even worse, fleece money from their fellow Jews. And Matthew, Matthew wasn't just a regular tax collector. Uh, the, the scripture verse we're going to look at today uh, says that he was uh, at a tax booth that was selling tax rights. It, it's kind of this tax farm idea. So he, he has been given the right by Rome to say, hey, I'm not only going to collect taxes, but I'm going to sell the right to collect taxes to others. So if you have enough money and you want to come and collect taxes, you can come and buy that right from me. And, and, and Matthew is so good at taxes, so good that, at being uh, employed by Rome, so good at fleecing his own people that Rome gives him the additional responsibility, the ability to sell these tax rights. And, and he can charge more than Rome does for the tax rights because he has the ability to sell them. So he can fleece even, even the tax collectors. And, and so this guy, Matthew, is anything but God's gift to his people. Matthew is actually the bane of his people's existence and, and, and can tax them into oblivion. And, and yet, Jesus doesn't just see Matthew as a tax collector. Actually, Jesus had just gotten back to Capernaum, uh, which is where this, this scene takes place, and, and it healed healed a guy that was lame, and right on the edge of that, right, right after that, Scripture has him moving through the town of Capernaum, and that's when he sees Matthew at the tax booth. It says this, as Jesus was walking along in Capernaum, he saw a man named Matthew, gift from God, sitting in his tax collector's booth. Follow me, and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. <laughs> this, this, this is a crazy scene. Everyone else, everyone sees a tax collector, somebody that is hated, somebody that's a traitor. This is a scandalous moment. Jesus, the rabbi, the teacher, uh, sees Matthew at a tax collector booth and says, hey, Come, follow me. Because Jesus doesn't see a tax collector. Jesus sees Matthew, the person, not the deeds, not the history, not what he's currently doing. But he sees Matthew, 
the person. And to be called by a rabbi is a little bit different than what we have in mind. It's not like, hey, you want to meet up later? Hey, let's go hang out for, for a little bit. No, to be called by a rabbi, to be a disciple, Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to come to be a part of my group. Follow me and learn how I do things so that then you can do the things that I do. That's, that's the job of a student, a disciple of a rabbi, is to then learn and know so well what that rabbi is teaching and talking about that you are able to act like the rabbi. You're able, you're able to learn to be like that rabbi. There's a, a, a series, a TV series currently out called The Chosen, and The Chosen has this scene of Matthew's calling, and, and it's just so cool because it shows the unexpected nature of his calling, and so I thought it would be interesting for us to take a look at it. Let's watch this. A mother of a son with talent like yours should be proud. She's ashamed that I could use the talent that God gave me against God. Next. You're good at something. You found a way to make a living doing it. It's that simple. Must be nice to live in a world so simply ordered. We live in the same world, Matthew. Next. Besides, what else are you going to do with a mind like yours? Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy's done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going, guys? Let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're going to throw it all away. chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. I'm glad we passed by your booth today, Matthew. Yes. Shall we? We have a celebration to prepare for. You will regret this, Matthew. What's the tablet for? I grabbed it without thinking. Can put it back? No, no, keep it. You may yet find use for it. Where are we going? A dinner party. I'm not welcome at dinner parties. Well, that's not going to be a problem tonight. 
You're the host. <laughs> Jesus meets Matthew where he is at his day job, broken, confused, outcast on the edge. And Jesus calls him. <laughs> Peter, Peter can't understand it. No one can. But Jesus doesn't see a tax collector. Jesus sees Matthew. And Jesus says, hey, I want you to follow me. And Matthew, Matthew drops everything to go and follow Jesus. And the scene portrayed isn't in Scripture, but it makes sense because Matthew's interaction with his guard is one of awe. Why would you leave everything you have? I mean, you have wealth and security and protection and all the things the world says, if only you have. And Matthew says, I want to follow him. Why? Because Jesus doesn't see a tax collector. Jesus sees Matthew and the potential that Matthew has in the presence of God the Father. Jesus knows who Matthew can be and calls him. It says this, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love that. Other disreputable sinners. Are there reputable sinners? I don't think so. The whole idea is that unlike the chosen's representation of Jesus saying, hey, we're going to go to your house for a dinner party, Matthew's response to the grace that Jesus offers is to say, hey, let's have a party. Oh my goodness, do you see what, what has happened? I have now become a follower of Jesus and I want all the people that I know to come and see Jesus. I, I want all the people that I know, all the people that are on the outside, all the people that are unimportant to others to come and get to know Jesus. Come see, see what's happened. See the one who has called me. See the one that I am giving up everything for. And there were some folks that were seriously unhappy with this. They, they did not approve of Jesus dining with tax collectors. It says this, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples. They didn't ask Jesus. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum, with sinners and tax collectors. Why does your teacher associate with such filth? Why would your teacher degrade himself to go and sit with them? The religious elite of the day, their question is why? Because the holy people set in judgment of the sinners and tax collectors. I, I think that's a warning a warning to us. Because sometimes we can, we can take that position of holier than thou, of you need to correct yourself before you wreck yourself. You need to fix yourself so that you might be in association with us, so that you might be like us. And Jesus says, I don't care what you're like. I love you anyway. And I'm going to call you to myself. <laughs> Such scum. Jesus doesn't see their deeds. 
Jesus sees their need, the need that they have for him. When, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. <laughs> it's the sick folks that need help. You don't go to a doctor if you're not in need of a doctor, if you don't want to know how you're doing, if you're not going to get a checkup. The, the serious need that we have to go see a doctor is when things are not right. And Jesus is saying, hey, they, they, they know their need. It's not, it's not that they believe that they don't understand their need. I, I, I came for them. Then Jesus added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy and not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Jesus hits the, the religious elite where they live in, in, in Scripture. He says, hey, I want you to go and learn the meaning of this Scripture. He's referencing the prophet Hosea. He's saying, hey, I want you to go and understand what Hosea meant when he said, you, I don't desire your sacrifices. What I desire is your mercy. And Jesus is saying, hey, you have forgotten that I have called all people to repentance. You have forgotten that I want mercy to be primary, and you think you're too righteous to associate with these people, and that righteousness separates them, and you're not righteous even in your own mind. You think you're righteous, but you're not. The, the gift that, we have, that God has given you is being squandered because you think it should puff you up instead of setting you to action. Jesus says, show mercy and don't think you're too righteous to show mercy to everyone. I've come not to call the, the people who think they're righteous, but instead to call those who know that they're sinners. <laughs> Jesus calls Matthew to follow. And Matthew responds. He abandons what he was before and he embraces the kingdom. <laughs> the truth is, it wasn't the invitation that changed Matthew, it was the response. See, Matthew's life was forever changed because when you meet Jesus, everything changes, but it was his response that allowed that change to happen. It was his response that spurred him into action, and Jesus wants to do the same thing for you today. Maybe you're sitting there and, and you're dwelling on your past. You're, you're sitting in your, your own tax collector's booth, the one of your own making where you're, you blame yourself for all of the things that have come before. And no matter what you do, you know that you're just not going to be enough and you're not going to measure up. And Jesus tells you to forget what has come before and to follow me. Come, Jesus says, be with me, walk with me, learn from me, embrace me as your 
teacher, your master, your Lord, your Savior, so that then you might come to life, true life in me, because Jesus didn't come to to call the self-righteous. Jesus came to call the sinners, each and every one of us. So how do we respond to Jesus' call? How do we respond? Do Do we, like Matthew, accept Jesus' invitation? Or are we going to sit back and let Jesus pass by, ignoring his call to us? You see, it's, it's in the receiving the invitation over the offering. When we respond to Jesus' invitation, we accept it for ourselves. And then, second, we should seek to live more like Jesus, just like the calling of the rabbi to, to, to embrace so much the life of our teacher that we resemble our teacher to the world. And we do that through prayer and fasting and scripture and, and being a part of the community of God so that we can grow in that relationship because that's exactly what Matthew did. He had the physical person Jesus to learn from. We have scripture and, and, and discipline and the church so that we might learn and grow in relationship with God. And finally, respond. Respond in love and grace. Matthew, Matthew had a dinner party so that he could share with others what Jesus has done in his life. What about you? What is Jesus calling you to do in response. You see, this this isn't just Matthew's calling. It's our calling. (laughs) You and I, we can receive the gift of God right here in this moment. A kingdom living mindset, abandoning what has come before and embracing the kingdom right here and right now. Let's do that. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks and praise for the gift you give us in Jesus, for the calling you place on our lives. Even though we don't see our value, you know our value to you. So help us to abide in your love. Help us to to embrace your call. Help us to live fully into it by responding and receiving the gift of who you are and what you are calling us to. Lord, let us be more and more like Jesus each and every day, and let us love your people and share your love and grace with everyone we meet. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.